Thank you for joining us on Theology Refresh. This is David Mathis, and I'm privileged to be sitting here with Ed Stetzer. And the topic that we are taking up is spiritual warfare. Provocative topic. Uh, Ed, would you situate for us this topic of spiritual warfare and what we would want to refresh pastors and leaders on in relation to this topic? It's a great question, David. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I think a lot of uh, pastors today of the theologically minded bent tend to maybe maybe abandon, throw out some of these ideas of spiritual warfare because they've seen you know one too many strange person you know with a map or saying this spirit's here or that spirit's there. What I would say I think that would be a very big mistake. I think spiritual warfare is real. It's present. It's sometimes subtle. It's sometimes overt. But one of the things we have to remember is that there is a battle. Um, we, Jerry Rankin and I co-authored a book called uh, Spiritual Warfare and Missions, the Battle for God's Glory Among the Nations. And part of what our desire was is to help people to see Satan's schemes so that they might resist them so, and be engaged faithfully as agents of God's mission. But I think we have to remember that God has, um, you know, in Psalms, many different Psalms, it says that God has reigned from heaven from his throne. And But what we know is, Colossians talks about Satan as the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the atmospheric domain, is the way some translations put it. Well, the world is in an illegitimate rebellion against the rightful, sovereign, perfect rule of a good and holy God. And so the world's in rebellion, and there's a spiritual war. It's a battle uh, in, in, the, in the heavenlies. It's a spiritual battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood. But there is this battle going on. Because what has happened is the world's now dark and broken because it's in rebellion to the good and perfect rule of God across the galaxy, but the earth is in that illegitimate rebellion. Well, what has happened is is that the world, because it's broken, now becomes this, this battleground. Now, it's, it's not two gods, a good God and a bad God battling out. This isn't dualism, but instead it's a sovereign God, and God's still sovereign. Just Satan is in rebellion. The world, we as sinners by nature and by choice have joined in that rebellion against the rightful rule of God. And it's at that point where spiritual warfare begins to take place. And you can see the tension because Colossians, which is rich with spiritual warfare imagery, in Colossians chapter 113, it says he has transferred us from the domain of darkness. That's the dark, broken world in rebellion to the good and perfect God. He has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. So so Jesus came and he established his kingdom. His kingdom broke into this world. And so Jesus is, is reasserting his authority to a world in rebellion to the rightful rule of God. And it's not by accident. He says in Matthew 28, at the beginning of the Great Commission, we often miss this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So as we're going, we're going into a place where, where God has rightful authority, but Satan and, well, we as before Christ, sinners by nature and by choice, um, in rebellion to the good and perfect will of God. That's a conflict. So I think pastors who listen to this podcast need to be, uh, need to be aware, don't need to be unaware, that there is a spiritual battle going on around them, and they need to. Things like talk about the full armor of God in Ephesians and and other places. Um, this is not simply an exercise, and we're gonna we're going to do what Jesus wants us to do without resistance. We're still going to do it, but we need to recognize that there's a there's a battle, there's a rebellion. That in a sense we're the rebellion against that rebellion because now we're we're in this kingdom that is in contrast to the kingdom of this world. So. 
the risen Christ is sovereign over the spiritual powers, angels, demons, right. Satan himself, all things. That's right, are all things. In th- Always in have him, been. Through him and right. for him. Exactly. Colossians 1. And in addition to being sovereign, he is also redeemer. That's right. There is a place where the cross That's right. comes in to spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Would you highlight that for Yeah, us? I think ultimately the victory can and only come. And through the cross and the resurrection, uh, the cross where Jesus then takes upon himself, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he, 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 God, made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. At that moment, he took the sins of men and women upon himself, but then God raised him from the dead on the third day so he might have the victory. That's how he transfers us from the domain of darkness back to Colossians into the kingdom of the son he loves. But you, you hit on an important point we don't want to miss is that the world is still under the sovereign reign of God. This is an illegitimate rebellion. Um, I, I'm, I compare it to, uh, I'll give you an historical comparison I use. I'm from, uh, I'm from New York, Long Island, born and reared outside of New York City. But I live in Tennessee now. And I, I try to blend, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to fit in. That was a little Tennessee there for you. Thank you. And um, so I learned a little history. Well, the Civil War is, is, uh, is obviously, uh, in Tennessee, much of it was fought. Tennessee wasn't a major player in the Civil War. It was a major place in the Civil War. But one of the things that's fascinating, the Civil War, most historians would agree, the secession of the southern states was an illegal act against the rightful rule of the United States because the Union was formed by the people and its representatives. And so now these are, it's an illegal uh, rebellion. And they call themselves the rebellion, right? And so what happens is the southern states, Tennessee is the last one to, to leave the Union, but and actually decided not to and then changed its mind. So, so you have this illegal uh, rebellion. But what's fascinating is, is that the, the United States never acknowledged this rebellion. Matter of fact, there were what they call rump legislatures from all the states. So, so if, if Virginia wants to secede, well, we've got a Virginia still in the United States, just a rump legislature that's running it. It's, a, it's one that's loyal to the Union. But in all, all these states, they left. Well, what's fascinating about Tennessee that is going to be illustrative for us here is what happens in East Tennessee. Now, East Tennessee is the hero of the story because East Tennessee, the moment Tennessee secedes, secedes from Tennessee and says, we're loyal to the rightful rule of the United States. So what happens is, is that uh, Tennessee becomes part of the rebellion. East Tennessee says, no, we're the rebellion against the rebellion. And here's what it is. We, the world, is in the legal rebellion against the rightful rule of God. But we, because of what God has done in Christ and because of the power of Christ at work in us as we've responded by grace and through faith, we are now made the rebellion against the rebellion. I will tell you, it's no secret historically that it didn't go well for East Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee invaded East Tennessee while the Union invaded Tennessee and it, it become. But but here's the thing is because our loyalty has been changed, we've been made. Um, the Bible tells us in, in, in Scripture talks about that we've been made uh, new in Christ. But part of that newness is now we are a part of another kingdom that's at war with the kingdom of this world, the kingdoms of this world, well, here's where we live. We're the rebellion against the rebellion, and we now have our loyalty to the well, God who's always been sovereign. Now, the world doesn't acknowledge that sovereignty, but there are some terrifying verses that we sing as songs, right? He is Lord, he is Lord. Now, I know the podcast listeners don't probably want to hear me sing, 
It says, he has risen from the dead and he is Lord. That's a, that's a terrifying song because it says that, you know, every knee will bow those under the earth and on the earth. And why? Because eventually the whole world will recognize the sovereignty of God. And some will do it under duress. But we, because we've been redeemed, are now citizens of another kingdom. We live as, as agents of the gospel, rebellion, the rebellion against the rebellion. But there's warfare there. Just as there were in East Tennessee to Tennessee, there's warfare because the illegitimate rebellion of the world wants to speak against and push against this. And, and we get these, these warnings about guarding ourselves from, from idols and about praying through and for spiritual warfare. And those things matter. And let's talk real practically in terms of uh, how conscious should we be about this spiritual warfare? How much should our prayers be directed toward the themes of spiritual warfare? Uh, how conscious should we be of putting on the armor and what angelic and demonic powers may be uh, battling in our territory or in the yeah. spiritual realms or whatever it might be. Help yeah. us in that direction. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of, people are fascinated by this. You know, one of the best-selling Christian books of all time was a book, a, a kind of a fiction book about um, demonic forces, and, and one of the best-selling non-fiction Christian books of all time deals with some of these things. What I would say is that, and of course you always kind of revert back to the C.S. Lewis quote. You know, C.S. Lewis has said that some are inor- inordinately interested and, and some are not interested at all. And those are both dangers on both sides. But let's let's be specific. There are real demonic forces at work around us. Um, and I would say that we should respond in prayer to the degree that we are aware of that work. So I may be in a... Um, I'll give you an example. I, you know, in in an Indian uh, in in central uh, excuse me South Asia, India, I may be in an Indian context where we see uh, you know, very clear demonic forces at work, and the awareness of that may cause me to pray and act differently. But I think I would be naive to not think that when I'm preaching at Grace Church on Sunday that 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 Satan is not at work there. Satan is real. He's personal, and he is seeking to persuade the people. That attend Grace Church on Sunday, that that uh, that they they well, well, he's blinded the eyes of those who do not believe, but those who even believe, he's trying to whisper to them and say, you know, you don't need to live this way, you don't need to care about the nations. That's part of what uh, Jerry and I talk about in in, uh, in spiritual warfare and missions, is that one of the great places that spiritual warfare is taking place is convincing Christians that they don't need to be concerned about God's agenda around the world. And so I think, I think to, to me, the degree to which I respond by prayer and, uh, and pray through these issues, I don't think we run after this. There's not a demon in every doorknob. Um, I think one of the things, the Gospel Coalition did a gracious review of our book, and they, they, they said this, the title frightened them away. It's, I think it's, a, uh, I'm trying to remember if that was in the, in the review or what, they, what I was told, but the title does scare people, but you, we ought not to be afraid of spiritual warfare. Uh, we see this in the scriptures and to pray, but I think our prayers are not against the, the, the demonic forces, but they're for and to a holy and perfect God who's already sovereign, who's already won the victory that we may be living between the times, but he's already the victor. And so ultimately that therein is where our prayers are, is, is the best thing you can do in spiritual warfare is grow close to Jesus, to be focused, be filled with his spirit and walk in the power of his word. That is the best way to respond in spiritual warfare. And one last thing, perhaps our discussion to this point has been to help spiritual leaders be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare. 
Would you have any counsel for a spiritual leader when they have someone they're leading who is fixated oh. on spiritual yes. warfare? My counsel would be to run away. Um, no, probably, uh, probably more than that. You know what? I don't. Th- I actually don't think that's a bad thing. Mm. I think when when people in a secular society realize that there are spiritual forces at work, um, that's a good thing. The problem is there's a lot of bad, hyped up resources that are out there. And so what I want to do is I want to drive them to resources that are rich in theology, that are deep in scripture, that that don't kind of create this as this dualistic good God versus the bad God. And, and it's kind of a, you know, flip a coin, see if the good God beats the bad God. No, I, I think when we look at resources that focus on the sovereignty of God, but recognize the spiritual battle and war around us, those can be helpful along the journey. But otherwise, we get an inordinate obsession with spiritual warfare. And, and I think those people, well, I mean, it's not just spiritual warfare. People get inordinate obsessions about things all the time. And I think the right answer is, is to push them to the scriptures, to push them to fidelity and following Christ and to be his agents of his mission. Ed, thank you for joining us. Would you, you close in prayer for our Let's listeners? Let's do that. Father, I thank you for these folks who are listening, Father, those who are leaders of your church engaged in the uh, oversight of, of souls. Father, I pray that you might give them your grace and your wisdom as they lead that you might give them wisdom on this issue, that they might recognize that there is a spiritual battle around them, but also at the same time that you have already won. We've read the end of the book. You are victor. Father, help us to live in light of your, your, your victory and in the complete consummation of your victory upon Jesus' return. Father, I pray that you would use them, guide them, keep them close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.